Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Half the Distance to the Goal, this very special Final Four episode presented by 910 Coastal Barbecue. You know, as always, I'm your host, Marcus Bullock. With me is my co-host, my left-hand man, Brett Galt. What's going on, dude? What's up, man? We're finally here. We've made it. Final Four time. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, this is going to be fantastic. And we have two guests this week, one from each of the Blue Bloods here on Tobacco Road. So uh, a reoccurring guest, Court Hatter. What's going on, man? Welcome back. How you doing? And um, tell everyone your allegiance. Go, let's go ahead and get that out. Yeah, so huge Duke fan. Uh, of course, the next question is, what your, what's your connection? No, I didn't go to Duke. But my great-grandfather actually went to school with Coach K at West Point. So we got the West Point connection through there and have been following Duke since I was a, a wee little baby. That's pretty cool. Yeah, because no Duke fans go to Duke, right? <laughs> I got kind of thought that's a running joke, but that's very truthful. <laughs> And then we have my man, Brad Dobbins, longtime friend, first time joining the show. Brad, what's going on, man? Yo, what's Gucci? Uh, are we allowed to cuss on here, or, or is this like a family or family-friendly podcast here? You can drop a couple bombs here and there. Just don't right, go on right. Chat Williams on us. Yeah, no, no, no. We're all good. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't, like, overstepping any boundaries, dropping a, you know, F-bomb here and there. But, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here, dude. Uh, thanks for, for the invite. I'm um, pretty sure I'll be, I'll be bringing the energy for the Tar Heels as we uh, ramp up for this Final Four and hopefully get to that championship, baby. No chance. Yeah. <laughs> I love to see it. So um, just giving you guys a little bit of background. I know, like, Court has introduced himself on a previous podcast. Brad, my man, is from Tobacco Road. Actually, all four of us are from the whole, like, triangle-ish area. Uh, so t- Tobacco Road boys, um, Brad now lives up in D.C., he has his own podcast called the Stay Frothy Podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and give you a plug in there. Go ahead and talk about like DC, what's going on there and like a little bit about your own show. Yeah, man. Much love. Appreciate the plug. Um, I guess before we go there, I'll kind of give my background just on, um, you know, uh, growing up in North Carolina. I'm a Raleigh, North Carolina native. Went to school at UNC Wilmington. So, yes, I'm a part of the Chapel Hill crowd that didn't quite go to Chapel Hill. But I think there's more folks that actually went to Chapel Hill that are Chapel Hill fans and folks that are Duke fans that didn't go to, to Duke. So um, uh, born and raised Raleigh, North Carolina, UNCW grad, uh, moved up to D.C. back in 2014, 2015, to be specific. Um, but, yeah, man, D.C. is good. A uh, lot of energy um, coming off of you know, sports championships, the Caps, the Nationals. So, um, you know, when it comes to bringing the energy, um, not only is it just for, you know, the North Carolina Tar Heels, but also the DMV sports um, outside of the Washington football team, which is now the Commanders and um, any of the college teams because my allegiance lies with them Tar Heels, baby. So uh, hopefully that catches you guys up to speed um, on what's going on here. Oh, that's fantastic. And that's one thing, because if you grow up on Tobacco Road, especially loving, you know, like NC State, Chapel Hill or Duke, it, it never leaves you. It, it travels with you wherever you go. And that's really that's special nice. um, about like North Carolina being the epicenter for like college basketball, the college basketball universe. So um, I want to keep prepping you some questions, Court. We'll jump back to you. So like growing up like on Tobacco Road, like outside of Raleigh in a town called Clayton, was like one of your fondest Duke memories that you have growing up? Yeah, so that's actually super easy for me. So way back in the day, um, a guy named Trajan Langdon played for Duke. And so like my first memories, like when I was super young was him playing for Duke and Duke would always play in the Alaskan shootout. 
on ESPN that played before the Maui and his nickname was the Alaskan assassin. And so I immediately, I was like, damn, like, I mean, and he was nice too. Like he played in Europe for a while, played in Russia for a long time. Um, but I was like, like, that was my dude growing up. Him and Wojo were my like two guys that followed. And my, my mom's been in the like legal field forever. And she had one of her interns that went to Duke get a, like, no joke, a blank white sheet of paper signed that said, happy birthday, Trajan Langdon. And I was like six or seven. And so like, I was hooked before then because my whole family was into it. But after that, like, it was a wrap, like Duke all the way through, no questions, not wavering. But like speaking for the area, like you always grow up and you have to pick one, whether your family was with it or not. It's like you run into different people going to, you know, high school and middle school and stuff where they just pick a side. It's like that forever. And it, it, it's really unique. I think part of the country when it comes to college basketball that, like you said, it does stick with you no matter what, no matter where you move, DC, wherever. I mean, I've lived all over the country, but still like I'll always tune in for a Duke game, no matter what. Yeah. Heard that. And, you know, and like you said, it is very unique because here I am an NC state fan, but I feel like I'm just as bought in like into the Duke Chapel Hill rivalry, but that's just because I want to see one of them lose so badly. <laughs> like it, it matters. It does matter. Like no matter who you root for. So uh, Brad, I'm going to flip that same question to you. What's your fondest Chapel Hill memory? Or like what got you hooked? Like when you were, when you were a kid? Yeah, man. Um, I think it was definitely the 2005 national championship team. I mean, there were some absolute legends on that squad. You're talking about David Noel, uh, Sean May, Melvin Scott, Raymond Felton. Like when I saw him win that championship, like obviously I was all bought in, got the T-shirts, like, you know, being cognizant of like North Carolina, you know, seeing my first championship. And then 2009, uh, when we had that squad ready to go, like that just pretty much was the icing on the cake because obviously like I was in a, you know, mental state of getting ready to go to college, like understanding like what this like actual rivalry meant, like from a somewhat adult perspective. Um, and, and really, you know, I think it's just, it, it always ties back to like my love for, for the state of North Carolina. And, you know, I think basketball in its core, um, Regardless of the rivalry, I mean, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and tout and, and pat Duke on the back because, you know, quite frankly, that, you know, organization is god awful and your coach got see you later. Uh, hopefully we send him off with a nice little L. Um, but I think to its core, basketball is North Carolina, um, you know, let alone, you know, the two programs that are, you know, the blue bloods of the entire NCAA, the, the primary ones. Um, I mean, you've got the legendary Michael Jordan, who hails from not only North Carolina, but Wilmington, North Carolina, which we know very well, Marcus. Um, so, I mean, I think it just makes it, it brings it all home for me, having, you know, grown up in North Carolina and stepped foot in some of the places that Michael Jordan, you know, once walked and balled in. Um, it, it, and I go into, you know, different cities, different states, it just brings it all home. And, and really, I don't know, it's, 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 it's a surreal thing to think about you know when you when you think about North Carolina basketball um, yeah absolutely and to every like favorite fan favorite there's a heel so I know like growing up for me the person I love to hate the most out of anybody on tobacco road so like being an NC State fan you had Chris Paul like 
cup check Julius Hodge, like that that notorious game. But you know, JJ Redick, like out of anyone ever, I, I love to hate JJ Redick. That man had a sweet stroke. You know, g- kind of like not the most athletic looking kid out there, but kind of like charming. You know, good with the microphone and in interviews and just crushing your soul, hitting like three daggers in your eye, like it's nothing. Like I love to hate JJ Redick, and that's what made it so fun because no matter like which shade of blue like your team was playing or like you can even say like NC State or like Wake Forest like there was a heel there that you just wanted to root against NC play so bad but usually they played so well and JJ Reddick was that guy for me yeah I will never forget that Duke Maryland game where the crowd actually started chanting you know F-U-J-J and ESPN didn't catch it the first couple times and I was just playing on national TV while this guy's at the free throw line I was like Man, that's iconic. Like, I've never seen a player get chirped like that so loud in one place. Um, but, yeah, that, that was so wild. He, I mean, he was such a good player, though, too. Yeah, so, Court, who was your uh, Chapel Hill player that you hated to see? Man, I mean, there's a bunch, obviously. But I don't know if hated to see, but the thing I love to see is when Gerald Henderson just went up with that elbow just right up against old Hansborough's face. And it came down with a bloody nose and just looked so distraught and like so upset. I mean, I of, can, of course a Duke fan. I could frame that. Moment. I could just frame clearly that. assaulting another player on the court. Okay, of the uh, well here, here I'll skip one for you. Moment. <laughs> I mean, I can give you Austin Rivers over Zeller to, and the buzzer beater hand in the face sinks that at Chapel Hill. I mean, if you don't want you know some physical contact, that's also a great moment. All right, fair. That's fair. And not trying to put words in Brad's mouth, but, you know, UNC beating Coach K at home in his last game in Cameron, that's pretty sweet. But, uh, Brad, who is your favorite player to dislike? And, you know, like, let's go ahead and pose that question to you. Um, Shane Battier, Carlos Boozer, uh, squad. And, Grayson, yeah. and Grayson Allen. Because <laughs> I'm going to use up one of my F-bombs. Fuck that guy. <laughs> well, that wasn't just Chapel Hill. That was the whole world. Yeah, that was nationwide. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Never no, seen if there's anything that reassured me, if there's anything that reassured me, your your coach's shady tactics, it was Grayson Allen. Him doing all those antics and sweeping, sweeping people's legs. Nah, Coach K plays dirty, and Grayson Allen is justification for that. Well, I mean, at least we go to class, I guess. So, I mean, it's better than just bringing in, you know, professional athletes. That's don't fake news. Fake news. That's, that's, that's not debunked. Yes, it is. You know, <laughs> that's the, over. They couldn't find anything on us. Well, that's the thing fake about news. Chapel Hill. It, it just wasn't the athletes benefiting. It was the whole campus. So, they like, they couldn't get in trouble when they let all their students cheat. <laughs> I mean, let's not talk about, you know, or, or, or let's just uh, sweep under the rug how Duke has played or has paid, I don't know, however many players have come through their organization, top recruits, cough, cough. Um, what's his name? Zion Williamson, 1,000% homie was getting paid before the NCAA made that. Um, well, since the uh, NIL happened, uh, illegal. News. Like, I mean, like, yeah, everybody was paying for players. I mean, Kentucky is yeah. probably the worst if we're going to be honest, but uh, like, did we probably pay Zion? Sure. Like, was everybody paying players? A thousand percent. 
Well, you know, I'm glad you're coming to terms with 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 that. I'm glad you you realize that your your organization you don't has think to do you that to get the top down. Leave your players, like I mean that that's just nah nah. Because right, historically, so I mean, look at the past years. Like our, our recruiting classes have been kind of kind of whack. They've they've kind of been like up and down. You know, like every year it's always going to be Duke who's got like the top three recruiting class. I mean, you guys got NBA studs like every single year, one and dones. Uh, one thing that I, I will credit UNC for doing is their player development. I mean, we'll, we will keep players, you know, barring the NBA isn't calling on their doorstep, you know, if they ball out and have like a, a sick year, like a Kobe White or whatnot. But Marcus, yeah, yeah, I, I could go down a rabbit hole, so I'm not going to um, <laughs> kind of derail <laughs> the, the narrative or whatever talking points you have. All right. Well, let's go ahead and hop into the good stuff. So, uh, Brett, I know we've been going back and forth with our our fan our fan clubs over here. So, um, go ahead and uh, give me your preview of the game to how you see it'll play out. Um, Duke Chapel Hill, uh, part four this year, or no, part part three. Part three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think both teams are playing their best best basketball. I think I think Carolina's been playing their best basketball for like, honestly like a month, month and a half probably at this point. And I mean, I know a lot of people are still giving the Duke the edge to Duke, but I, I Carolina is playing out of their minds right now. I mean, Brady Manick has not been able to miss the guards, RJ Davis, Leaky Black's playing well. Um, it's just, I, I don't know. I, it's going to be an interesting game because on the other side, Duke has been playing good too. Ben Carrier has been playing well. So I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think it's going to be a great game, and I'm excited. And I think it's the greatest thing is that it's the first time in tournament history that the two are meeting. And then not only that, but it could be possibly Coach K's last game. So there's just so many different factors in this whole thing that I don't know. I mean, it's just you got so many – both teams have so many good players that are playing good. I mean, Jeremy Roach has been leading Duke right now. I mean, mm-hmm. he's been – He's kind of been the story at the beginning of the year with Keels coming in was kind of the kind of the freshman. Him and Ben Carroll was supposed to like lead the team. And then Roach has been kind of like the guy, especially in the tournament for the past month. So just so many different storylines that it's gonna be fun no matter what. Yeah, Mark Williams has really like impressed me a lot. Like he he's really like morphed his game into like playing that role and playing it well. Um, Armando Baycott's playing like out of his mind too, so that'll be one of my favorite uh, matchups t- to watch. But you know, like watching that Texas Tech game, like I mean, you got guys like AJ Griffin coming in there, ice cold, you know, carrying the load. Like that was a tough, scrappy game, and like just getting it done. So, uh, court obviously, like we probably know who you're picking in the game, but give us a little bit of analysis to how you feel like it's going to play out, whether like logically or emotionally. We'll take either. Yeah, so I'll give you a little bit of both. So my biggest fear is, like, I want to see a good game regardless, because, like, obviously I want Duke to win, no doubt, but like it's two times. You know, it's the first time that these two teams have met in the final four. I'm worried that they're both going to come out a little tight and it's going to be kind of a you know shit show to begin with for lack of a better term. <coughs> we'll start for both squads. Um, but I mean, it really comes down to, I really think it comes down to that matchup with Williams and, um, and Blackhot because when we've lost our games this year or when it's been tight against teams, it shouldn't have been. Mark Williams doesn't show up. Paulo doesn't show up. He shows up at the beginning of the game, not at the end. 
And then we have no other help in terms of role players. Like Wendell, Wendell Moore goes cold, Jeremy Roach, non-existent. So it'll be interesting to see. I'll be interested to see the first five minutes of the game from both teams, because as you guys just mentioned, there's a ton on the line. Final four, obviously, first time both teams met, potentially Coach K's last game, a huge rivalry and probably the biggest game ever in this rivalry. I just wonder what that's going to look like in the first five minutes. I think that's going to dictate the rest of the game. All right, Brad, what do you think about that? So a couple of thoughts, right? Um, I think both teams have kind of hit like a, a, a stride where, yes, they are playing their best basketball. I think from the Duke perspective, Yes, uh, Bancaro, Mark Williams, Roach have all just realized, like, um, except for Roach, we are, you know, top lottery picks in, in this next NBA draft. We should be playing like that. And, you know, they're making the big shots and Bancaro's actually playing like a top draft pick and actually wanting the ball and taking the shot in the big moment. Right. Whereas earlier on in the season, I don't think that identity was there and homie was just passing it off. Um, so I think one of the keys for us is, to lock him down. And I think Leaky is going to be a great matchup with him. Um, the biggest thing is staying out of foul trouble for, for the Tar Heels. I think if, if Bacot can stay clean uh, early on in the game without getting too many whistles, and this is another factor that I'll throw in there, hopefully the refs are going to be completely, um, what is it? Um, not by, I guess bipartisan. Obsolete, um, like just not a factor. Com completely not favoring one side because we've seen mm. in the past how reps can favor Coach K and Duke basketball by calling ticky-tack fouls. If we get into that early on, we will lose the game, 1,000%. But I think we are just going to be too much for Duke to handle from a sheer talent perspective. You're talking RJ, RJ Davis. My man from New Jersey, New York, he's been balling with those dudes up there. Like, he knows how to play grimy ball, and he's got handles. He can drive to the hoop and create, create open spaces for players to make shots. You've got Caleb Love, who has completely ascended and tapped into Damian Lillard-type energy where he's just pulling up from wherever and, and firing off threes. Like, if he has anything remotely close to the game that he had against UCLA, it's a wrap. Not to mention Brady Manic on the wing, too. Who's going to stop Brady Manic? If he's open, he's Mr. Three. So you got two weapons right there. And then, yes, as you guys have mentioned, we got Armando, Armando Bacot down there in the paint. And if he stays out of foul trouble, if we're hitting it from the three, it's just going to open up down in the paint. And it's just going to be an absolute nightmare for Duke to stop. So while I think it's probably going to be. Um. Wait, Brad, you went silent on us there. Damn, my, my AirPods are trash. <laughs> um, no, we, we got the last thing you yeah. said. We got through uh, Brady Manic. Uh, Jesus, my dogs are tearing something downstairs. Hold on, Brad, go ahead with that last thought you, you cut out with. Damn, my computer lagged out a little bit. But um, okay, so where were you at? Sorry, where, where were you at before I cut off? You know, something about Dame Lillard and I don't know, something <laughs> like that thing. And then, <laughs> then Corley's head. Ran and out. I, I, mean, as, I mean, it sounds like a fairy tale, but I mean, you're saying. <laughs> I'll wait for Marcus to come back before I give the crescendo here. But my analysis is as much as I don't want it to be close, I think it's going to be close. And I hope it doesn't end in heartbreak and fashion. 
at least for my side, um, for your side. I really hope that that is the case. We, you know, reenact an Austin Rivers type, um, what is it, type ending to the game. I think for the fan, for people who are not fans of Duke or Carolina, that's what they want to see. I think we're going to give them that game that everybody wants to see. Um, this between this matchup of elite blue blood, blue bloods. Damn, that's a tongue twister. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if, if Carolina sticks to their strong suit, you know, and all three of those those top players that I had mentioned early on are on are on one, I think it's 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 a no brainer. UNC is going to take this um, hopefully by five or eight points, five to eight points. Sorry, give it like a range, five to eight. Interesting. I think so. Open at four and a half most places. Duke being favorite down to four. It just about everywhere. Um, I don't want to get into predictions yet because there's another game to talk about. And I kind of feel like this game's going to put on the back burner, even though it's going to be a fantastic game. So Villanova, Kansas, um, I'll go ahead and say, I think Villanova, like defensively, no one in this tournament can touch them like what they've been doing. Um, I think that they're going to take down Kansas. And I think whoever wins this emotional game between Chapel Hill and Duke is going to run into a very, very solid, like kind of under the radar. And that's pretty crazy to think as a two-seed Villanova uh, Wildcats team. Uh, if if you've been joining us the last two episodes, you know that uh, Wilson Collins has been with us and, you know, he, he couldn't make it today, but he gives this little tidbit. And also his picks were 4-0 last week if you took his betting lines. but Jay Wright, the last five NCAA tournaments, he is 20 and three. That's wild. And I mean, coaching always plays a part, but I, I like the Wildcats in that matchup. Uh, floor is open to any of you guys. What do you think about that uh, battle of the Blue Bloods? Well, let me ask you something. So, are you not worried about the injury to Justin Moore, the torn Achilles? That's what I was going to say. I, I was just going to chime in and be like, dude, Villanova took a massive blow losing yeah, Justin. Yeah. I mean, they took a massive blow, but I think with that defensive system that they've been running, um, I think that they're deep enough because in, that's also one thing. I don't think Duke and Chapel Hill are like very deep, you know, like outside of like Puff Johnson and like Kills coming off. You don't go like too, too deep. Like Duke played, who, Court, who was the tall white boy? that you played the other night that no one's seen all season? Right, that's a great question because as soon as he went in the game, I did this. <laughs> he Who caught was, the ball, shot a brick, and I said, yep, that's enough of that, and he got pulled out next play. He shot two bricks. Hold on. What was his name? Back-to-back back, every, every time he got the ball. Bates every time Jones. he got the ball, he just put up a three. Yeah, so Bates Jones is in the game. He averaged like 1.4 points for the season, 0 for 2, both three-pointers, three minutes. But I mean, like, no, and Theo John is coming off the bench for Duke, too. But, like, no team is very deep um, for from those two. Like, yeah. Puff Johnson, I think, has been serviceable and still have a, a couple other pieces for Chapel Hill. But I think Villanova is pretty deep, and, like, with that defensive system, they can plug in, like, just enough to get by Kansas and maybe win the national championship. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think they're, I think throughout this whole tournament, they've probably been the most underrated team. And honestly, through the whole regular season, too. I mean, it helps that Colin Gillespie's in year 10 in the system. He's okay. been, I mean, he, he feel like he's been there forever. But I mean, Jay Wright is, I think, an underrated coach as well. So, I mean, I, I, I think the whole key is, and I said this like in our first podcast when we were breaking down the whole brackets, is Remy Martin towards the end of the year for Kansas had been playing semi-good, especially in the uh, Big 12 tournament is when he kind of really started to shine after he was out the for 10 games or whatever. So 
and it's kind of showed in this whole tournament, Ochai Baji really didn't have any good games until the most recent game. Remy Martin was kind of carrying the load. So if he continues that and Ochai Baji continues to play well like he did last game, I think Kansas probably pulls this out, to be honest. I'm going to echo the same thing. Um, what was it? Remy Martin just came back uh, from his injury, what, what, in the Sweet 16? And they blew out um, – forgive me, I'm like drawing a blank on who they played in the Sweet 16, but like that was a huge factor, right? Them getting Remy Martin back and then not to mention Abaji starting to come into his own, who is also going to be uh, a future lottery pick, if not this, I'm pretty sure this year. Um, I think Kansas definitely has the firepower to um, overcome Villanova in, in this Final Four matchup. And again, as we had mentioned, Justin Moore, them losing Justin Moore is going to be a massive blow. So, like, for me, I'm kind of with Marcus on this. Um, there's, like, some ridiculous stat out there about um, Bill Self and him losing in the Elite Eight and Final Four. And Kansas is there all the time, but they've only won one, nat one natty with them. And then when the line came out on Monday after the Moore injury, and it was only four and a half, like, I expected it to be, like, six, maybe seven. But it was only four and a half and dropped down to four, like, to me, that was a red flag. Like, I think Villanova is super strong defensively. And if you look at Kansas, like when they play TCU, like TCU just frustrated the hell out of them at the beginning of the game. Kansas, I'm not going to say panicked, but they it started turning into individual basketball where they're really good at moving the ball when they're on. But as soon as TCU like pressed them and started to really kind of shake up their game plan, like it all went haywire. And then it was like, this isn't the same Kansas team I've been watching all year. So I think Villanova is going to stand up and kind of cover for more. And when I get like something doesn't sit right with me, that such a big player for Villanova goes out and the initial line comes out and it's only four and a half. Like I like that, those two things and um, just the coaching records there. I think Villanova's got something for Kansas. I think they're going to frustrate the hell out of them. Kansas is going to start to get desperate, a little erratic. And Kansas should blow them out, I think. I mean, on paper, I think they should probably win by 10. But I think Villanova is going to really knock them in the mouth. And then it's going to really depend on what Kansas can do after that. And they haven't really done too well when it happens to them, when that happens to them this year. Yeah, I, I th I'm thinking uh, Jay Wright and take the four points. Wow. I mean, Bill Self usually does choke. And to be honest, I'm not – I hate Kansas, so I'll be training with Kansas as well. Spoken from a true West Virginia fan. I mean, they're they they're a bunch of cheaters too, if you guys want to put them in the cheating class. I have no <laughs> doubt they've been cheating. The, the Kentucky, yeah, no, that's great. All right, so um, well, let's go back. Um, final thoughts here. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and lead off. Um, I'm taking – for the, for the game that we care about the most, um, the Tobacco Road game, I want to see Duke lose. And a kind of a running joke I have with my friends is I root for Chapel Hill two times a year. And it's when they play Duke both times. Um, I'm going to have to root for them three. I think Chapel Hill can win the game anywhere from like a three to five point like margin. So um, i definitely take the four points if you can still find it four and a hook. Um if you, can, if you want to buy it or take it, uh, uh, I'm rooting for the Tar Holes. 
I'm with you, Brad. Let's go. I mean, that is a that is a rare statement. Not the tar holes, but just you saying that you're rooting for us. Um, I'll take any W we can get. If, if you guys don't know, um, Marcus and I host a um, an annual tailgate, NC State versus UNC. Every year, we've been running for what, like six six years straight. So yeah, Marcus, six years. Definitely lies with NC State as well as what is it, Virginia Tech, and insert a couple other college programs too. <laughs> but I think he, I think he aligns with State a little more than all those other ones. But all that to say, I appreciate you rooting for the good blue as opposed to that that doo doo blue over there. Yeah. All right, Brett, which what side are you jumping on? So I'm cheering for I'm cheering for Tar Heels. Um, Actually, growing up, I I don't think I ever told you this, but I used to be a good I used to be a big Tar Heels fan growing up, honestly. Like especially the 2005 championship, Sean May, Rashad McCants, like all those guys. I was huge on the bandwagon. But um, <laughs> I'm also a big Hubert Davis guy. I think Hubert Davis is a great guy. So and I I want him to succeed as well. Um, so I I don't I don't know if they're gonna win though. I feel like. I feel like this is going to be the storybook ending for Coach K and everything like that, especially if they're if they're only up a little bit at halftime. He might flip each ref a hundred dollars, kind of in the middle of halftime, just to say, "Hey, can we can we pull this out here in the second half or whatever?" Start getting the chippy calls like Brad was talking about. So I don't know. I I'm sure for Carolina. I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it out. I mean, if they keep on shooting like they have the whole tournament though, and for the past month, I think it's going to be kind of hard to stop them. But it's going to matter on guard play as well. And then I think it depends how Bancaro plays, honestly. I think that's going to be the leading factor. If, if he wants the ball, then I think I think Duke can probably pull this out. But if he doesn't want the ball, shies away from it, then I think Carolina's going to take it. So, I don't know. I'm just excited for it, no matter what. As a bystander, I can't wait to watch it. All right, Court, go ahead and close us out. Why is Duke going to win the basketball game? <laughs> Well, I mean, if you guys listen to that fairy tale before about, you know, if strike or clock strikes midnight and somebody hits a three over here and then drives – anyway, so Duke's going to win because they're just going to dominate from beginning to end. Defense is revamped. All right. we And any team that plays Duke has to score. And I think to everyone's point here, North Carolina is not on from the beginning. I mean, it, I think it could be like another game like in Chapel Hill. Now, I don't think that's going to play out. I do I do think it's going to be a close game. My biggest concern in terms of a play is on the over-under, the one I'm struggling with most. Obviously, I'm going Duke minus four. That's personal, no stats, nothing to back it up, just pure allegiance. But, like, the grind on me is 51 and a half, over-under. Both of these teams can score. Both of these teams can light it up all the time. So, and we were talking about a 75-76 game to meet that so i mean that that's like where i'm at in terms of a betting range but duke's going to dominate coach is going to go to the final four probably play villanova trash them by 20 and then right off in the sunset with a six national championship say see you nerds that's fantastic all right so one last question before we head out and uh, disperse for dinner um where are you guys watching the game I will be with the D.C. contingency of Tar Heel folks, people that actually went there, um, but I am the resident. Why are you the one? <laughs> oh, good one. 
Wait, if I remember correctly, we're both sitting in the same boat, buddy. I don't think you went to Duke, my guy. <laughs> You're right, but I didn't lead off saying I'm going to a bar with everyone that went to Chapel Hill. I didn't lead off with that. So Listen, is, is it like I ride it out with my, with my squad, you know. I, I got to be in some good energy. I got to be, be around the same folks that are rooting for the same team. I can't be having people chirping me from, like, some random left field who, who isn't even a Duke fan just rooting for Duke just because, just trying to piss me off. I can't have that energy. No, yes, sir. We, right, was, so we can't agree on that. We can totally agree on that. Yeah, So exactly. Brad, Brad's going to the bar. I've seen Brad go to plenty of bars in a side. I'm going to be in my safe times. space. I'm going to be in my safe space with all my Tar Heel fans. That's where I'm going to be. All right, Court, where are you watching it at? So I'm kind of conflicted because, like, Charlotte, huge transplant city. And, like, if you do a Google search right now, where to watch the Duke UNC game, Every bar listed in, like, Charlotte's top 10, whatever that Google search is, says, like, Carolina bar. So this is the scenario that plays out in my head, right? So I go there and get drunk, obviously, either way. Now, Duke wins, okay? Great. Great for me. Shitty for everyone else. So everybody's going to start talking shit to me. Like, I'm not concerned what happens during the game. I'm concerned what happens after the game. Because, like, everyone talks shit to me, great. Well, I'm going to talk shit right back. And then... On the flip side, if we lose, it's just the same scenario over again, but worse because now I'm like triple team. So I don't know. Like my wife already said, like I'm not going out with you because you're going to be yelling and screaming at a TV, and I can't be seen with that. And so, you know, I'm really conflicted. Part of me says stay in the garage where it's safe, but the other part is let's just go make everybody's life miserable. Well, I mean. Yeah, making it miserable sounds like pretty fun, but it, it could definitely flip the, it could flip the switch, especially when alcohol gets involved. Uh, Brett, where, where are you watching it? I'll just I'll just stay at the crib. I ain't going out or anything like that. Definitely be over to some weeks though. I think me and my roommate we've talked about it. Probably had some people over, so just gonna kind of sit, relax, and just order some wings and just watch the games as they unfold. Or that, and I'm in Raleigh right now. Um, we got uh, the baby downstairs, our uh, six week old, visiting uh, her her grandparents on my side. So I'll be at mom and dad's house. I'll be somewhere else before, like doing dinner with uh, friends, catching up, um, showing the baby around to the world. But yep, I'll be at old thirty one thirty six in Raleigh, and um, just watching it on the couch, like I have hundreds of times before. Me and dad <laughs> rooting for them boys in the good blue, baby. And also, also, like, congrats again on the uh, on the newborn, man. I told you over text, but couldn't tell thank you. you. No, I appreciate it. Um, she so growing up. So also for those of you who may not like know us personally, so um, dad went to NC State, wife went to NC State, mom didn't go to college, uh, sister went to NC State, and my older brother went to the Air Force. I went to UNCW, so I guess of all the other college-faring people, like in my direct household, I'm the only one who didn't go to NC State. But the crazy thing is, my dad, although he is an NC State grad, he he's a he's a Chapel Hill fan. It, like it's nuts, and like the households you grow up matter. Like my dad's mom, my grandma Rosa, she's a huge NC State fan. She she always talks about like Jimmy V being very like like characteristically like outrage and going up and down the sideline, huge Jimmy V fan, huge Wolfpack fan. My dad went to NC state, but you know, he, he roots for the Tar Heels is North Carolina strange is strange sometimes. And I just come from one of those families. (laughs) 
But um, no, Court, Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Brett, I really think this is going to be the last one to shut us down until we do like preseason football um, in like July or August or so. So again, like all our listeners that have been riding with us, thank you. Like really appreciate you. Enjoy it. So tune back in. Season three of Half the Distance to the Goal will be coming to you in a couple months. Um, we're going to enjoy this Final Four. This tournament's been fantastic. And uh, thank you to all the guests that have been with us uh for season two and season three we hope is even better it will be you guys are awesome thanks for having us yeah thanks marcus thanks brett for uh inviting your boy yeah. on here. enjoy the games guys yeah all right guys yeah. we'll chop it up good luck to both teams oh heels baby let's do it let's go duke right, i'll talk to you <laughs> later bye